How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin, with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books. Chapter 15, Nonsense at Noon. So, the Nonsense at Noon podcast is run by two chuckleheads named Johnny and Ronnie, both of which are music junkies like Ange and me, although they're both two slacker stoners who run this podcast out of their home. They live to not work. The fact that this podcast is as successful as it is is shocking even to them. They're really my kind of guys, particularly since they weren't happy when Champ called after Ange demanding to know why they listened to her and not him. Their response was perfect to me. She offered to buy us coffee, brah. Which we have remembered. And have even brought in donuts. They were already stoned when we walked in, so it was like Ange had walked in holding a piece of God himself. Made it all the better that she walked in through a cloud of smoke, so it was kind of like her finishing a long race, emerging the champion. Alright, so are you Mr. Panic Under Pressure? Says Ronnie, through a mouthful of Boston cream. That's me, man. Just call me Doug when we're off the air. Informal. I like it says Johnny, exhaling from his cock-shaped bowl. Look, man, Johnny's smoking from your manager! A dick! <laughs> I roar with laughter. God damn if that hasn't made the trip worth it. I don't know what else will. So, bro, if you want to be on the podcast, you gotta spark up with us. Here lies the dilemma. I haven't smoked weed in four years. I have to start applying for jobs in a couple weeks, but I have to be on this podcast or else I can get in serious trouble with management. I look over to Ange and we have the same look on our faces. We have a telepathic conference and after several seconds of stares, she shrugs her shoulders and says, You heard the man take a load from the dick bowl. Ronnie falls out of his chair, laughing so hard. <laughs> Yo! I never thought of that. Holy shit, it's like I've been swallowing... <laughs> hey, does that make me gay now? Stoned people are really a trip. I spark up and cough until my lungs turn green. Here we go. They pass the bowl over to Ange. Miss Panic, will you be joining us today? She didn't even say a word. Just took it, sparked up, and took a bigger hit than I ever have. Even in my time of smoking. I really ought to consider how much three months of my salary is. <laughs> the boys set up the mics, mix the sound, and hit record. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nonsense at Noon. It's your hosts, Johnny and Ronnie, and we're here as someone all the way from New York. Johnny starts out strong, then continues. They're here from New York, prick. Hey, I'm walking here. Johnny, he may be walking here, but man, he ought to be playing here. I gotta say, I love this EP we got from him. He's here in the Nonsense Podcast Studio with his missus and better half. We got Panic Under Pressure here. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, boys. I just walked in off the street from my favorite pizza joint after catching a Yankee game. <laughs> hey, uh, how you doing? 
Johnny gets it! Ronnie says, putting his hands in the air like he scored a touchdown at the football stadium for either of the New York teams, neither of which are located in New York. In all seriousness, sir, I love these songs you got for us today, but we're kind of bummed this is the only collection of songs you plan on putting out yourself. Is that true? Yes, sir, I'm afraid it is. Nothing against performing, but it's more of a writer. I'd rather write songs for others to perform. Uh, these are the only songs I felt like I wanted to release myself and showcase my talent. After this, it's, uh, peace out for panic. Well, if that's true, I'm happy to say that you'll put out something I'll probably have in my headphones for the next couple of weeks, if not the rest of the year. My heart is doing backflips. Now, Miss Panic, how do you feel about him doing only the one-time deal? Would you ever want to see him do more, or is this the right thing for him to do? Ange picks her leg up and folds her arms. I think he's truly the best writer I've ever met, but he's an even better person. I'm standing behind whatever decision he makes, but I think this is the right idea. Good things should have expiration dates, not doled out until it starts to suck. Yep, I'm finding this woman a white dress. Ronnie lays back in his chair like he has just had his mind blown. That is a valid point. It's always annoying when you know the party is ending and there are still people eating chips at the bottom of the bowl. It's like, go home! Get out of here! I feel personally attacked. Why do I? Because you always do that, bro. You always end up with the bowl on your face licking the bottom because you want all of it. Only on the lime-coated chips. That shit is the bomb, bitch. Anyway, we're going to go track by track on what each song is about and how they came about. But before that, are you happy with the way the record came out? I'm very happy with it, yeah. I love the feel and the, the flow of it. <laughs> the production is top-notch to my ears, and I can't wait to put it out once all the artwork is together and ready for release. Yeah, man, I'm sorry to hear about the producer passing away. Uh, what was his name? I take a deep breath. It's still hard to talk about. Tim Fallon. Yeah, he was a dear friend of mine. The EP is dedicated to him. We had some great times over the years, but making this was just the utmost peak of our creative integrity together, and uh, making the music without him seems kind of weird. The last song is about the incident. Hit by a 90-year-old man with dementia while Tim was on his motorcycle. Johnny choked on his dick bowl. The fuck, man? That just killed my vibe. No, crap, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's obviously sad, but I'm just happy for the time I had with him. We found out a lot about ourselves, writing and producing together, so to finish it in his honor just seemed like the right thing to do. Johnny, I'm tearing up at this shit. Start playing the songs, goddammit. Boy, I, I swear to God, I'm not this depressing off the air. Just saying the truth. Johnny looks at me. Never a 
apologize for the truth, brother. Respect, man. Respect. They pull up a playlist with all four songs on it. Seeing it up on the monitor was pretty cool. The songs that were just ideas in my head are now talking points for us to fuck around with and deconstruct. Life is good. They start with, it's all over. They hit play and it runs for the whole 3 minutes and 43 seconds. Boy, did that one sound like you were anxious. <laughs> A little bit, man. Ronnie hasn't been that anxious since he earned his nickname, Leaky Dick. Fuck you, dude! Don't talk about your sister like that! Johnny throws a pillow at him and misses by a country mile. They're podcasters, not athletes. So, how did that song come together? What happened to make that one fall out of your noodle and onto the page? Uh, well, to be honest, guys, my noodle is not usually working, but uh, when it does, it makes shit like that. That song um actually came about the day I met Miss Panic. <laughs> Literally about three hours after I met her on the way home from class, it started churning. But uh, really came out when I went down to my basement and started jamming. Ange looked at me with her, why didn't you tell me that face? I swear, I met this young lady while at school and she dropped a book on my head. So I, I guess you can say she made it fall out. Right, babe? They both laughed like hyenas while Ange was blushing. It slipped out while I was air drumming. You know that. Whoa, whoa, a babe who air drums? Do you have a sister? Piss off, Ronnie. That's my Miss Panic. Right, you right. But what did it end up being about? Because it seemed like you were uptight or something. I was very uptight. Yes, you could say that. I had met the young lady, and on the way home, I was freaking out about how this girl seemed like she was the one for me, but I was thinking back at all my other failed relationships. Between the month-long shitty relationships, the booty collars, and the ex-fiancé, I was sitting in my car on edge going, I can't do this! So, uh, I went to the basement, came up with the riff, and thought about why I was freaking out and how I could get over it. I came to the conclusion that I got to be confident that this would be better. And whoever was in my past would not see the great person I would become, and they'd have to eat my dust as I strode far ahead of them. Ronnie doles out a high five. That's what it's all about, brother. Put the past behind you and keep on trucking. Rock on, sir. Miss P, how do you feel knowing the song is a reaction to your early connection? Through ugly tears, she says, It feels great. Just play the next song. Whoa. <laughs> yes, ma'am. They load up no pressure and play all through the 3 minute 52 runtime. I have to say, I think that one is my favorite. Johnny says, sparking up and exhaling into the microphone. I love the opening and how it simple it starts and then goes into this fucker of a song. Yeah, but what were you drinking to get that fucked up? What wasn't I drinking? 
That's the real question. This was all about one bad evening where we were at, uh, um, I have to pick my words carefully so I don't say work party. I was at a family party with Miss P and I made an ass out of myself. So much I got sober, actually. What did you do to Miss P? Ronnie, it's okay. You were fine. But no, he made an ass and a whole lot of himself. He got so drunk he was falling, belching, and disrobing all over the place. He was so bad I left him at the hotel the party was at and told him to stay in the room until tomorrow morning. Hence why roll me over, I'm not sober, and so on and so forth. The part where I'm saying, there's no pressure here, just want you to know, these are the stories that I've been told, was me hearing how much of an asshole I was the next day. I had to calm down after I recounted my shenanigans and got a hold of myself. It's a song I wanted the message to be right with, but at the same time have something instrumental that sounded interesting. Not just four chords, but do something funky with the pedals. So I used a loop pedal and just overdubbed everything. Overdub is what we call my fat sister after she passes out from edibles. He ain't lying, guys. John's sister eats edibles like they're, like, <laughs> edible. <laughs> God damn. These guys are fucked up. Next, they queued up Oh Brother, Chris's song, with a 2 minute 40 second runtime. Before we play this song, Johnny, this is the one that made you cry. Holy shit, you cried at my song, man? I'm honored. And rubs his arms with sarcastic support. Does Johnny want to cry some more? Johnny actually wipes tears from his eyes and says, I love my brother too, man. Why are we all crying on this podcast? What the actual fuck? He's only half of us half, sir. You and Miss Pete stick to yourselves while us men go chop down trees and make fire from scratch. But yeah, man, obviously with this song, you love your brother. But was there something that sparked this song? Like, did something happen, or was it just, like, built-up feelings you needed to get out? I wrote this after my brother and I had a pseudo-argument about how lucky the other one is in comparison to the other. We both apologized mere moments after it happened, but... It did start as an argument. I still live at home with my parents, working on life, and he's a full licensed doctor in an emergency room out on Long Island. <laughs> yeah, I already feel like shit compared to your brother. Nah, man, he'd be flat out jealous of you guys. You make money doing something you love. By smoking weed and talking a blue streak about pussy and music, no less. He's dealing with the worst kind of shit you can see. And he has to do it with a smile on his face. Hold the phone, dude. Ronnie, I never tell you enough how much I love you and appreciate what you've helped me do here, man. I love you for it. Ronnie starts to sniffle and hold back a tear. 
Got you, bitch! Yells, not Johnny, but my own girlfriend. The woman is nuts, folks. Chocolate-coated and nuts. Are you two finished enough to let me finish? Ronnie sniffles back, but gives a hand gesture that I take as meaning, go for it. So, he always has to be in the absolute worst kind of humanity at all times, with no sign of it ever getting better. He works his ass off making sure other people get fixed, and then there are people screaming at him that he's not doing enough. Like, that shit always bothers me. This guy worked his bones to the dust to get where he is. When he was an undergrad, he worked two jobs to be sure that he and the family were getting by, all the while studying to take the MCATs, the test you take to get into medical school. After he got in with damn near top marks, he went to medical school and took every opportunity to better at his craft. If he was up 16 hours a day, he was studying at least eight of them, stopping only for food, bathroom, or to go to class. He got the residency he wanted, too. A dual residency, meaning he does internal medicine and emergency medicine at the same time, all the while uh, managing a girlfriend and being blinded by student loan debt. The world gave him no quarter, and he asked for no quarter. The least someone could do is write a song telling him, I'll handle our parents, I got it from here. All your hard work will pay off in time. Can you all please hold yourselves together? As the entire room is sobbing, as the thought of, I love you, brother, here's his song. They finally hit play on the fucking song, and it runs out with no interruptions, but we stall going into the next one so everyone can dab their eyes with tissues and blow their nose. Maybe I'm all cried out from Tim, but come on, people, it's not a movie about a dog. Suck it up. Woo! I haven't cried that much since I watched Brian's song. I don't want to hear it. I say, putting my fingers in my ears. The two jackasses smirked. Oh, you don't like Brian's song, do you? My hands are now covering my ears. I'm not listening. But of course, these two pull up the end of the flick, the ultimate guy cry experience. When Billy D. Williams' character says, I'd like to say a few words about a friend of mine named Brian Piccolo. My head falls into my knees as these fucks start chanting, Cry! 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 When the scene ends with, I'd like all of you to love him too. Poor Ange is sitting there watching. I've never seen this, and now I never will. Turn it off! At least they listen to her. Now, obviously we touched on the last song a little bit already. And going from that movie to this is kind of fucked up. But let's dive deep on this. You told us about the circumstances surrounding his death. But when it comes to your Brian Piccolo, Tim, is there anything you'd like to say before we start the song? Now I am going to start crying. In all honesty, if I had anything else to say, it would just be, love you, buddy. Thank you for helping me find my voice. Uh, play the song, please. <laughs> he cues it up with the runtime of 3 minutes and 29 seconds and let it run. 
It finishes, and respectfully, the boys raise these shot glasses full of God knows what. Rest in peace, Tim Fallon. You did good. They slam them down the hatch, put them upside down, and flicker their faces. Not big drinkers, I see. (laughs) We keep talking on the podcast for another two hours after that. We talk about shitty movies, a smidge of politics, and what we could do to clone Ange. Now, before we get you two out of here, we gotta mention the show you have coming up at the Roundhouse in Long Island. I hold up my hand. First, I gotta say thank you for having us, gentlemen. I know we've taken up plenty of your time, but you're class acts, and I appreciate you both. Ronnie gives me a big hug and says into the microphone, you two can come back anytime, podcast or not. Just don't bring that lick bag of a manager. Ooh, sick burn, Ron! But yeah, Panic Under Pressure will be opening up for Jackie Ill at the Roundhouse Theater on Long Island. On, in, which is it? You being locals and all, we both say on at the same time. (laughs) Goddamn. It's frustrating when people get it wrong. Sorry. But yes, buy tickets to the Roundhouse on Long Island to see this awesome show with a lineup of more to come. Every time someone mentioned Roundhouse Theater, Ange gave them a swift Roundhouse kick as a sort of punctuation mark. This is the Nonsense at Noon podcast, and as always, I'm Johnny, I'm Ronnie. Keep your nonsense podcast with you at all times, and remember, don't panic under pressure. They lower the faders and stay silent for five minutes. I have no idea talking so much would be so draining. Afterward, we decide not to go out to dinner, but to hang with the boys at their house, get in their hot tub, order some pizzas, and have a chill night. We get an Uber back to the hotel later, and after we've taken our showers and lain in bed, we are burnt the fuck out, man. We are crispy as a motherfucker. Nevertheless... My good lady gave me a kiss goodnight. I'm glad we came. Really? Yeah. It was fun playing hooky from responsibility for a while. We both rolled over and started to fall asleep. Mission accomplished. All that's left is my crippling anxiety about whether this is the right move or not. But hey, don't panic under pressure. This has been How to Be Mediocre by J.D. De Palma, primarily narrated by J.K. Larkin with assistance by Danielle Masquode, published by Red Penguin Books.